0: Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast. We're here along with other experts and real people with real stories to help you navigate life after separation. Whether you're newly separated or divorced and co-parenting, listen now for tips and advice on how to build a foundation for a more peaceful future. on Split. Parenthood and particularly the job of feeding kids is hard. Many of us enter the job with enthusiasm and optimism only to find that convincing your kid to eat more than cheese strings or Cheerios can be an uphill battle. Toss in the stress and anxiety associated with divorce and you can quickly find yourself completely overwhelmed and defeated. As a registered dietitian and busy single mom to a kiddo with food allergies, our guest today is no stranger to these challenges. Suzanne Haito of Suzanne's Table is here to translate the science of food and healthy eating into practical advice you can use right away and begin to relieve yourself of all that hashtag mom or dad guilt.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Suzanne. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, we
0: are too. We've been definitely looking forward to this episode with you. So to begin, can you talk a little bit about yourself, your experience and your practice and what you do that makes you stand out as a dietitian?
1: Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm a dietitian that has been in practice for about 12 years. And I would say the biggest thing that I bring to the table is My sense of practicality and realism when it comes to, you know, what what can we really expect with the amount of time and and with the amount of stress that we all feel uh, day to day? And how do we translate that to, you know, offering our kids okay ish? Slash healthy meal, (laughs) you know. I think I think we have this idea of what uh, you know is perfect, and and quote unquote is what's healthy. And you know, I really want to get get parents um, to a place where they feel happy and content, and meals are are joyful, and not focus so much on the nutrition piece. Um, And so, by giving parents the information on what nutrients to really focus on and then kind of not worry about the rest of it. I hope that I can give parents freedom to just enjoy meals with their kids again. Um, Before uh, moving to Toronto, I actually worked in remote parts of Canada. So I've been to um, every province and territory in Canada working in remote areas. So that really honed my skills for, you know, just going with the, going with the flow and trying to, to create meals that are easy with just what you've got around.
2: And I love that about your page, because I saw um, some of your posts, one was about making homemade baby food. And right there, you're quick to say, you know, you do not have to make your own baby food. (laughs) Yeah. um, Because that guilt is such a huge thing. I know when my my kids are older now, but um, when they were little, yeah, I just felt like I needed to be steaming everything and making everything from scratch.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, you don't have to. Like, like, and that's the whole thing. Like, here's the hack. Like the thing is that we want kids to learn textures, but you can buy baby food and then throw in a couple of, you know, steamed pieces of frozen already chopped squash in there. There, texture, mm-hmm. done. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh two minutes later. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's definitely ways you can you can hack around um getting the nutrition that you want into the kids and and getting them to be practicing with different textures and different foods without spending the whole day in the kitchen and just actually sitting down with your kids and eating with them is more important than what's on the, what's on the table.
2: And do you see that a lot with people you're working with that people just assume that it is a much harder thing? Like they're getting really precious about it?
1: Yeah. And I think the media and the misinformation that we have around, you know, what's healthy and what's not healthy really contributes to that. And I think um, parents that have you know, the best intentions, we all have the best intentions for our kids nutrition and our kids relationship with food, right. you know, but when you get on Google, or, you know, you're, you're flipping through um, some, you know, uh, social media, which, which is really been, help, you know, it's helpful for me day to day, but sometimes it can be just overwhelming. I counted one day, and there was like, um, over a million followers to various baby led weaning Facebook groups. Wow, you know, yeah. and so what happens is you you get all this mis you know misinformation, but also information overload. You know, um, mm. do I have to buy organic or is grain fed more important? And what about dairy? Like I hear it's this or that, and like if I give my kids soy, like is it going to mess up with their hormones? You know, and like there's all this mm. stuff, and then you just want to tease that away and just be like, okay did you sit with your kids and eat with them today? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did they have a, like a fruit or vegetable today? Like that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. like did a food group show up great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And we like, don't worry about the organic and don't worry about, you know, I mean, it's great if you can get there, but that's at the top of the pyramid. And I don't know, like I'm never sitting at the top of the pyramid. <laughs> you know uh, and i love that you mentioned that
2: like the the personal like the time side of it away from food right like great if the food is you know organic and grass fed or whatever but if mom or dad is like completely fried and frazzled and guilt ridden and like not even sitting down with the kid you know where it's kind of lost the the point there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's where like, you know, the reality is these days a lot of parents are getting the meal kits or, you know, food takeaway mm-hmm. and yep. you know, I think there's a place for that. I think that um no, I know there's a place for that. And and I yep. think that we, you know, feel guilty about doing that and then the only thing I tell parents is like, okay, like when you get these meal kits often they're carb heavy. Sometimes, you know, the protein's okay, but there's often not a lot of veg. So what can you do? Like, can you just maybe steam some edamame, frozen edamame beans? Or could you throw in like a can of chickpeas when you get like a butter chicken curry or something? Like these very quick ways that you can just use these prepackaged meals and just um just boost a little bit more nutrition and that's it. Like, you know, um, yeah. And you don't have to do that. I mean, if you get a meal kit once a week or like a takeout meal once a week, it's fine. Just leave it. But if it's something that you're doing like three, four times a week, then, yeah, we need to talk a little bit about boosting some of those nutrients and maybe um, uh, how we can figure out the sodium piece. Because that's the only other thing with quick foods often is they come um, with a lot of sodium because it's a preservative.
0: Yep. High salt. Yeah. Well, I I really love all of that. And I think it's so great that you're able to empower parents and really kind of give them like a self-esteem boost. I know myself in the early days of my separation when things were really rocky and I was just feeling terrible about the fact that our family was divided and we had a new schedule and every, my, my kid's life was totally changed. And to add in, I mean, she was very young at the time, just barely a year old. So Mm -hmm she had transitioned to solids, but I mean, food was, you know, good today, trash tomorrow. So that added stress just really kind of made things even that much more challenging made me second guess myself as a parent that much more.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I can relate with that. I mean, I know that um, during the early days of my separation. It was a really tumultuous time. Um the schedule kept changing day by day. And it was just so hard to keep like any kind of structure going. And um for me, of course, this is my profession and what my kid eats. <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, it's just so uh, ingrained in, in my role as my as a mother. And uh, I found that uh, that was a very difficult. How can I say, like, piece of this co-parenting puzzle that I had to come to terms with? Um, because the reality is I just couldn't control Um what was going on, mostly in terms of food, um, at her dad's, and I had to come to peace with that. And, you know, I, uh, I hope to share some of the strategies of how you can possibly, you know, work towards feeling peace towards, um, or feeling, feeling peace, or at least at ease, that when your child is with you, that that's enough and it is.
0: Right and I so diving right into that is I I know Jennifer and I were speaking about this before and it is really important to as as you kind of touched on understand what is within your control what your actual rights are because obviously when you're no longer together your former spouse is going to have you know the ability to manage the kids their own way and have their own parenting styles, which can be very difficult if you're not entirely on the same page.
2: Yeah, I think like in typical parenting plans that I would do, and I think that would, you know, fall under the scope of um, family law in Ontario, day to day in, in a shared parenting, a shared custody situation, day-to-day decisions are typically up to whoever the child is with, right? And their regular um, parenting time. And what we put under shared decisions, nutrition doesn't really fall under that, right? So I guess unless it um, starts to go into a category of health, then that would definitely be um, then start to become what would have to be a discussed and shared decision. Um, But that's the piece that I see a lot with my clients is that's really difficult. And you alluded to that. And I think all of us here have been through that of, of trying to, what can you let go and what, you know, picking your battles, because ultimately, those day to day decisions do kind of come out of our
1: control. It's a tough, uh, you know, even for me to grasp that idea, you know, that it's, it's it's an independent decision that, you know, um, my um, daughter's father can make. And yet it does impact your health, right? So it's just, you know, well, I, and that's where, yeah, and I think, well, that's
2: where there's the push and pull, right? So certainly when we get into children who would have eating disorders, or um, actual allergies, where their their health is being affected, then that I think legally, that's then coming into the realm of what does need to be a shared choice, a shared decision, um, because we have like four thing criteria of decisions that need to be shared and then health would be one of them. But then, you know, on the other side is we're talking about, you know, one parent thinks they should be vegan and the other not just because of a personal preference. Then that doesn't, I think it would be hard to argue that in the courts, right. That, um, that that has to be done according to one parent. It would be hard to argue that that would have to be a shared decision. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, certainly figuring out what is actual like in the best interest of the child for health and what is just a preference.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's really great information to share. I really appreciate that. Um, and I learned something there, Jennifer, because, you know, mm. um, I have a daughter with severe food allergies and I know that I do come into connection with, um, you know, medical moms that have kids that have varying degrees of, of food related, uh, conditions. And it could be anything from like tube feeds to, um, yeah. you know, food allergies or, um, you know, there's lots of, you know, en- um, even, um, uh, cystic fibrosis, you know, there's, just, there's just so many conditions that deal sure. with, with food and nutrition, um, and in a, in a separation or a divorce scenario. I mean, in some cases it's, it it can even be a reason why, um, um, there isn't a, a, a split, you know, because it's right. such a, yeah. you know, it's such a yeah. serious thing.
2: Right. Yeah. So for sure, those would, would fall under affecting health that those would be shared decisions. Um, I observed a case myself worked on a mediation case where the child was literally losing weight there was an eating disorder and the child was losing weight every time they were with the one parent mm-hmm. so certainly that was a scenario where that was not just a preference. Um, we had child services became involved in that case and the courts became involved in that case in the end we were able to mediate it without going to the courts but, for sure, that yeah. fell under best interest of the child, right? The child was losing weight. There was a medical condition there. Mm-hmm. Um, so for sure, that would need to be a shared decision and not just day-to-day choices.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, being that I am, you know, a medical mom that's separated and, and um, that deals with, you know, specifically food, which is kind of ironic, Um since that's that's my gig, but you know I did I have come in con- into contact with a therapist um, Samara Carroll, and you know I often um, turn to her when I have some of these more complicated you know emotional issues that have to do with food, which you know uh, eating disorders or when. Um, there is a life threatening condition with food, you know, it brings on a lot of anxiety for the like parents or one of the parents or even the child. And, you know, I really encourage um, anyone in that situation to seek out, you know, um, a therapist or a mediator that can really give a voice to that child, because even, Mm -hmm. you know, even younger children um, can be their best advocate in this case. So, you know, and mm-hmm. in, in where you had talked about, you know, one of the parents being vegan and the other not. I mean, in this case, it's great for the child to have a third party be uh, involved so that, you know, either parent can kind of have um, a professional deliver the message that maybe the child really needs to say, which what what do they want? What are they comfortable with? What what's their what's their level of um, agreement with one side or the other? Mm hmm.
0: So we received uh, some great questions from um, all of our followers on our social media accounts that we definitely want to get into. So are you ready to dive right into those, Suzanne?
1: Yeah, I absolutely am, and and I'm, I am really happy with all of the engagement we got. And and I and what I, you know, what really strikes me with these questions and. Um, inquiries are that like yeah it, they do pertain to co-parents but they also pertain to parents that might have like grandparents heavily involved you know right good point um, or um or even like as uh, the holidays are coming up um you know how do you deal with those holiday dinners if you're having any you know given that it's the pandemic but you know some some sometimes um knowing what to do and how to handle your own emotions is a good is a good thing whether you're a co-parent or not with, with regards to food exactly
0: so um, one here just to start with uh, and this is something i've experienced even myself This person says a difference in expectations around dinner meal. So for instance, in front of the TV at one home or no screens and all family present at the other. I know we kind of touched on this earlier, just about setting, you know, realistic expectations for your situation overall. What are your thoughts on this one in particular? Because I know like screen time is such a sensitive topic with parents. And is it something that can really harm your kid long-term in terms of their healthy eating habits? Or is it something that, you know, we can kind of loosen up with and, and accept and realize it's, uh, you know, not maybe as harmful as some people may believe.
1: Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So let's talk about mealtime consistencies and screen time. So in terms of consistencies with mealtimes, it's actually really important um, for children to have consistent mealtimes. And so, um, you know, they really need to be physiologically hungry in order to eat. So if you're picking them up from daycare, you know, at 3.30, give them a huge snack, well, like, they're probably not going to eat supper at 5.36, right? I mean, so so yeah, mealtimes are really important for mealtime success. Um, And it's something that you can, you know, I find it is a fairly neutral question to ask, you know, your co-parent, like when you, what time did they have dinner today or like the last meal that you before Mm -hmm. pickup, you know, to kind of gauge, you know, when, when should, when should your kind of meal schedule start in your own household? Um, Generally speaking, we say meals should be like four to five hours apart with a snack in between. Um, no snacks one hour prior to mealtimes and snacks, um, you know, should generally be on the smaller side, um, uh, so that there is some hunger for mealtimes in terms of where food is eaten. So, um, this is something else that, um, I'm going to, I'm going to refer to something called, um, the division, the division of responsibility theory and, um, Ellen Satter is a dietitian and also a social worker. And she developed this framework to really, like, basically help parents, I feel like, relieve the guilt of what they're really responsible for, for mealtime success. (laughs) So parents are responsible for what is served, when it's served, like, what time, where it's served, and the environment in which it's served. Like, is it a stressful environment? Is it a chill environment? So on. Kids are really responsible for deciding if they want to eat at all and how much. And so if parents, this can be very, very, very difficult for parents that let's say the child had a history of not being like gaining weight as a baby, or maybe culturally they're like, they were raised that you have to feed the kids and you want chubby babies and chubby kids. I mean, that can be, this can be really hard to let go of, but If you can try to work towards like you've done your job, you've done everything you can do in your power to set up this mealtime. If the child decides they don't want to eat at that meal, that's okay. And we have to leave that role and responsibility for them. So the thing is where to eat. I do recommend that families, I mean, and if this is going to depend on your setup, but do try to eat together and at the table. And the reason for that is so that they can see each other. It's a social interaction. It's a time to connect. And for younger babies, it's a chance to role model and learn how you actually eat as a group. So when you take them to a restaurant, they're not like climbing the walls. Yeah. You know. (laughs) It happens anyway. (laughs) um and also for safety so we know that when screens are on or toys are around or kids are in motion there's a much higher risk for choking so you know like I get it like like parents will say to me like I don't have I can't like in the morning I can't eat breakfast with my kid or you know I uh, I did pick up um you know at such and such a time you know um I, I don't I can't eat with my kid the rest of the time that they're with me for that day or whatever. I kind of just tell parents, like if you can do one meal a day or one snack where you're seated together um, and you're looking at each other, I think that's a good, goal
2: mm-hmm. and a good
0: goal. Yeah. I like that. Same as what you were saying about the, the food itself. Right. I mean, you try your best, you know, generally most of the time, but it you don't have to be a hundred percent, hundred percent of the time. It's just not realistic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's not realistic. And the thing is that um, kids are just like us. Like, there's days where we're kind of like, I don't know, let's say, uh, you know, you decided to make chicken and, you know, broccoli and rice. And maybe they're, like, just not feeling that meal that day. I mean, it's nothing personal. It's not that they're never going to eat chicken or broccoli again. And and it's just, you know, you kind of roll with it and you're just enjoying each other's company versus – how much the child has eaten because that tends to be the focus like how many bites did they eat how much did chicken did they eat how much of the like um and then parents are like feeling so frazzled trying to get the meal on the table and then they're just stressed out about what the kids ate during the meal yeah
2: yeah and that like looking at this question that's one that I would you know I'm thinking about if I was in mediation with this couple that you want to kind of look at the bigger picture so if the parent that's using the screen time like let's look but is it what kind of food is it, is it? What is their work schedule? Like maybe in that situation, it, they can't do it all. So they they have the children, they've made a nice meal, but they're going to eat it while there's a movie playing or something like that, right? Like I always like to dig down into things more. Um, for some people, it's not always realistic. Or if they are going to sit together, then it's going to be takeout. So you can't maybe like have it all, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, screen time is, is, is okay to use during meal prep. I think it's a great tool to give parents a chance to do what they need to do. Um, you know, and then if you can try to even sit together for five or 10 minutes, and even if you're sitting on the couch, but maybe the TV's off, you know, or whatever. Sure. I mean, or, or, you know, it's, a, if they're for older kids, cause you know, choking, uh, you know, is a yes. risk for like, you know, um, I mean, at any age, but you know, until about five, we just want to make sure they're seated and on on um uh that there isn't a lot of um distractions. Um, yeah, if it's like a movie night and it's like something social and fun, yeah. I mean, if it's like every if it's every meal is in front of the TV, then I have a concern about that in terms of a social, like a mm-hmm. social nutrition side of things, and then um, often um you know, what is the food being served? What kind of foods are being served in front of the TV, I guess. Mm
0: -hmm. I think too, if we can just, um, you know, try to remember that for kids, the transition period when they're coming back from uh, their other parents' house, it can be a little bit difficult, I think at any age to kind of get back into the groove of, okay, I'm back at dad's or I'm back Mm -hmm. at mom's. So, I mean, uh, like us personally, at my place, we we do eat dinner typically together. My daughter and I, my boyfriend usually works late, so I'll snack with him later. Yeah. But on the day when she comes back, which if it's all over the weekend is usually between five and six. I mean, my daughter's only two. That's she's getting, you know, close to bedtime. It's been a long day. And I just try to be sensitive to that transitionary period. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if it's just kind of snacks that night, that doesn't mean that the rest of the week is totally derailed or in, you know, down the toilet. Yeah,
2: yeah
1: absolutely. It's Absolutely. Like transitions, whether it's you know, from one household to the other, or during a time of like the separation, or during a time of crisis, but you know, in one household or the other, um, often we see kids that that kind of tr- trickles down to meal times, and what you, what you can see is like a real like onset of pickiness or demands. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, yeah,
1: and it's like it's two things: it's attention and it's control. Um, and so if the parent knows that like. I know my child is not this picky. I know that she is just, she or he is just, you know, screaming for like attention or maybe really wants another food because that child feels out of control of their own situation. Unfortunately, I mean, I don't want to put that in a bad way, but they don't have control over what time they get picked up or dropped off or, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and so if they like my daughter, (laughs) recently we had kind of this, um, uh, difficult uh, shift in her schedule between her dad's and mine and then like every time she came home she wanted a mango <laughs> right like yeah. didn't matter like she had just eaten dinner she had her teeth brushed it was ready for bedtime like it but, but like she wanted that mango and the dietitian in me is like wanted to ask her like is your tummy hungry for that mango yeah (laughs) yeah but I knew it was kind of um you know in this instance I knew it was just her uh feeling like she wanted to demand for something and then she could get it Right. So, uh, you know, I tried to, to use that opportunity. So we would sit at the table and I would cut the mango for her and like fan it in a fan of like a, I don't know. I kind of tried to like, I tried to engage her in the activity of the mango versus like the mango being the treat or the reward for being home.
0: Right. Trying to make it into like a positive experience, like something fun for the two of you.
1: Yeah. And then what I, cause I do find this happens a lot with food is parents want, um, food to make the child feel special mm-hmm. or excited mm-hmm. or they want to provide like junk food because it's love, you know, it's yeah. like, like comfort, love, you know? Um, and so even though my daughter was picking a mango, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, she could have been asking for chips. She could have been asking for chocolate. It doesn't matter. Like it was just, you know, it was just a something she was demanding. Um, I kind of rolled with it, but then what I started to do is I also started to add, like, she really loves the song Sita by <laughs> Black Eyed Peas. Oh, my God, adorable. <laughs> you know, so I would play that song while we were eating the mango, and then eventually, like, I just would be, like, she'd come home, and I'd play the song, and we'd dance, and then I just kind of replaced this, like, food connecting food with like comfort and home and whatever with more so an activity and time with me.
2: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. We
0: ran into a similar situation where um, my ex, when he would pick up my daughter on the pickup and then on the drive back for drop-off would stop at Tim's and, and get her like a small package of Timbits because, and same thing, you know, I talked to him about it and he's like, I just, you know, I want to do something special for her. She loves it. And I'm like, that's great. But now every time we drive past a Tim Hortons, she right. is screaming for Timbits. So right. I think we're going to have to work on that.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, and it's a tough thing like to say, you know, yeah. And, and, you know, where he, like, again, it's like he, it's a coming from a good place and depending on how he was raised with food and, you know, um, I find that our generation has much different and much more aware in terms of like the relationship of food and emotions versus like our parents' generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I think as when kids, so like my kids are older, so I have um, eight, 10 and 12. And so, we have a situation like that as well with um, my ex, but also my mom, who they get the junk food and the treats and everything. It's a special time, which I'm actually okay with because it's not happening constantly. But now what I'm noticing is that as they're older, we have more healthy, like much more restricted treats at my house, lots of salad and whatever. And they notice now how that makes them feel interesting so right so they are able to do that distinction and they're able like I will have them they'll say to me like I need some vegetables or like can we have a salad tonight or something so yeah so I think when they're um when they do when there is a juxtaposition like a clear juxtaposition some in some ways like they can see that more clearly then to be able to make choices about they can see clearly which side they like and what, how it makes them feel.
1: Yeah. No. And I think that's, that's such a, that's such a thing, you know, thank you for sharing that because when you have younger kids and you worry, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. There's hope. There's hope. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I do hear this also from, you know, other seasoned dietitians that have, you know um, split households is that, you know, it's really important in your household, you know. Like I had talked about those rules, like what, when, where, how is your job, and like meal times and where they eat. Like those those um structures. I mean, with flexibility, eighty percent of the time you're doing that, you know. Um, they will know, like they all know that you know at mom's place or dad's place, like the, the, these are the mealtime rules and this is how it rolls here. Yeah. And you know, I try to um. If, if, if at all possible, like, get the kids involved with choosing food, prepping food, cooking food, like, get them involved with the skill portion mm-hmm. versus, like, them identifying what's healthy or not healthy or labeling and, and how much they're eating, like, try to move that focus to giving them the life skills to be excited about food and, and prepare their own food because, you know, um, as Jennifer was saying, when they get older, they start to realize that. And then if you've kind of spent your quality time with them, giving them the skill of like food and and how to use it, and prepare it, then I think it's a win-win. What I mean, within reason, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, but it is,
2: yeah, empowering them and being realistic as well.
0: Because a lot of these, the questions that we had were, we've, we've touched on a few already and just some of the things that we've discussed, but you can... Here in the questions, the panic from parents where Mm -hmm. their ex is not on board or they have, you know, very strict ideas of what should be done and panic about what what is not being done when they're with the other parent. But as you know, you're both saying, when you put in the work when they're with you and and teach them the skills that they need, eventually they will reach an age where they're empowered enough to make those decisions themselves.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah like it's the marathon it's a marathon not a sprint um you know and how you role model how you eat and how you approach food is really one of the best um things you can do you know for your kids which is also why a lot of parents really start to think inwardly about their own relationship about food because they're like okay you know like i'm i really want my kids to you know maybe think differently about food than than i did you know growing up or um you know, had had issues with food and 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 emotional eating and so on. Um, and and the other thing is, like, you know, y- you see this a lot with grandparents, um, that are grandparents or extended family. You know, they they might have a very different way of approaching food. And I see this and I hear this a lot, especially because I teach, you know, infant feeding um, courses and how to introduce food allergens to to um, new parents. And you know they're feeding their baby, they're maybe they're giving babies already eating soft finger foods. And then they go to grandma's house and grandma's mashed that finger food and created a puree and is like literally spoon feeding baby. And, you know, the mom yes. is like all this work that I've done, you know, to create this independent eater now, you know, grandma's, you know, force feeding baby. And so these are the situations where you kind of are like, you need to step back and be like, you know, how many meals is my child being with me and how many meals is this yeah. child exposed to this? So, yeah. you know, you can try to breathe and, and try to step away and you know, if it's something that's happening regularly and there's a safety concern, then, you know, definitely it's something you can bring up, but I think, yeah, like, you know, picking your battles and realizing that for sure that will not sabotage. Yeah, I love
2: that you said. Um, you know, you called it that it's a marathon with the eating, and I have a post on my website that uh, says we're playing the long game. So same idea when to apply to co-parenting that you know it's it's not worth it to have a absolute battle because you know your ex took the child for a fast food or something right one time or 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 it takes them too much right it's not worth it in the short term to destroy that relationship and have all of this tension and fighting when yeah we need to step back and look at that long game of getting along with the other parent and trying to have good open communication and positive communication Uh so I like those concepts yeah
1: yeah. And then, I mean, like even in that Timbit scenario, you know, I mean, that could also be like, you know, if, you know, daughter comes home with the Timbits, then you could maybe make it like a counting game, make maybe make it food play, be like, okay, do you want to put these in the fridge for later? And like, I, what I find about any kind of, you know, any kind of like, um, the more we focus on a particular food, and this goes with any child, the more it becomes the object of, of attention yeah right you know like if you tell your kid they can't have the halloween candy like they just want the halloween candy yeah Um, it's so true you know and it's funny because like i i mean i of course i i use my daughter as a guinea pig to these kinds of theories but you know um after halloween she really wanted smarties she woke up in the morning and she saw the little box of smarties and i said okay sure you can have smarties with your breakfast so with whatever her normal breakfast is, um, which she doesn't get a choice, by the way. So that's part of the rules. Is I decide what's for dinner because I'm not doing a short order cook. I'm not going to be a short order cook, and I'm not going to be one for the long haul. So that's yeah. Um, yeah. That's, <laughs> um, that's definitely um, something that 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 we is not an option. So breakfast, you know, is whatever I decided. But I added, the, like, I kept my word, and I I I gave her the box of Smarties, and you know, she actually opened the little box, and she because of her little toy, um, like her plates kind of like uh, animated, she kind of used the Smarties as toys and she left them. Wow. You know, um, and so that's kind of a way just as an idea, like, you know, to kind of try to roll with these things. And, um, you know, when kids really want something and if you just make it like no big deal. But for example, I'm not eating dinner tonight. I don't want anything you made, mom. Okay you don't have to eat anything. That's fine. But can you please sit at the table with us
0: right?
1: and just sit with us? And I'd really like your company, you know, I mean, for an older child, for a younger child, it's like, okay, just sit with us. And can you just, if you could play with the food, go ahead. Um, inevitably they'll pick it up and eat it. <laughs> you know? right, right. Um, but if you kind of t- try to take this like um, chill, stance but still remember your roles like yes you can have the smarties but we're still having breakfast at the table because that's what I've decided you know um then you can kind of you know try it takes time but you can kind of get into a groove and and, and not be so stressed out when the kids uh kind of deviate from that
0: hmm Yeah, I think, too, just as someone who grew up with divorced parents, like I can remember going to my dad's house, um, you know, the occasionally on weekends. And we always got pizza on a Saturday night. And, you know, I'm not really, I'm not sure how thrilled my mom was, but I loved it. Like it Rainier. was a special thing for me yeah. as a kid to have that Saturday night treat. So, yeah, like you say, take the pressure off and try to look at things big picture for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, the thing is, like, some sometimes, you know... Um, If your child, especially, it depends. Like younger children, of course, their nutrition and their wellness is a little bit more. um, How can I say? Like it's you know when you're talking about a 12 month old versus a six year old, you know what they're eating and and um, you know their nutrients is a little bit different. Um, But you know you can you can consider you know a multivitamin, and if you have an older kid, maybe that's something they can pack in their little like bag when they go to their their uh, other parent's house and they can take their Flintstone vitamin and you know where the, the parent the other parent doesn't necessarily have to be you know involved in it it's more the child that that is kind of taking care of their own <laughs> nutrition mm-hmm. yeah
2: mm-hmm. definitely
1: and and something else that um I really like the idea of especially for like you know a child that's four and over is um you know, kids really like consistencies and when they're kind of, they're, they're kind of uprooted a lot when they're split between two households. So if you could do something and have like a little, um, it doesn't have to be fancy, but if you can kind of post what time and what's going to be for supper or snack or breakfast or whatever, it kind of is reassuring for them that they know like food is coming and what's it going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's something that maybe they could help with, you know, what, what, they can help decide, like, we don't give them the choice. Like you're not going to take a, like an order, like a server, <laughs> what's for dinner. But if they want to help right. create the menu and make that with you once a week, then that's really fun. Um, and then for younger kids, um, you can just post little pictures of what the mealtime routine involves. So, you know, it could be just of someone washing their hands. So you wash your hands, um, you sit at the table. So it's like a picture of the table or their high chair or whatever. And then, um, maybe they bring their, their plate to the sink and that's it.
0: Yeah. Kids really respond to that. I, I, my daughter's daycare does, has this for literally everything, any routine, it is visible to them. And, uh, you know, I've come I've visited halfway through the day before and my daughters pulled me over to show me like, this is what we're doing. This is what's next. And mm. yeah, giving them that control, especially in a time where there might be, you know, more more chaos and ups and downs. So I think that's really
1: important. Yeah, yeah. They love it. They love, they love, they love knowing what's coming next.
0: Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and tips and advice with uh, not only our listeners, but with us as well. I know I've definitely learned um, some important information, not just from this podcast episode, but from following you on Instagram. We love your account. And can you share uh, with us where our listeners can connect with you?
1: Sure. Thank you. No, I love your... Your content too. And I actually implemented one of your strategies today, Jennifer. <laughs> ah, <Yeah>, great. Uh, <laughs> love it. Yeah, yeah, that reel about asking a question.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> ask first, right? If you understood it first. Yeah, clarify.
1: Yeah, love that. Um, so yeah, I'm on Instagram at Suzanne's uh dot table and I'm on Facebook where I have a um, community Facebook group for parents that just want to reach out to other parents and ask. Questions and share recipes. Um, and I also have a website at suzannestable.ca.
0: Well, that was great. I really enjoyed speaking with Suzanne. I think she had a lot of great practical advice. You know, she's very real life mom life. Yeah, exactly. She's living it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think we should just take a couple of minutes to go over how you can best support your former spouse, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to all things food.
2: Yeah, because I think ultimately, like, when I was hearing her, I'm thinking, like, that's such an ideal situation. That's great. But what are you going to like, my head always goes to like, okay, yeah, if the other person isn't on the same page as you, like, what are some ways that you can kind of work together? Yeah, rather than sort of setting up this dynamic of like, I'm the good food mom, like, you're not doing it correctly, right? Yes. Um, so and I've run into this, like, in my own personal life a little bit, too. But I think ultimately, like, we do have to Give a little bit of leeway to yep. and be yeah. more flexible. I think we talked about that. Um, but yeah, just some things. I think she had some amazing like meal prep ideas and how to do um, meal prep really quickly. And I know on her site, she has a lot of good things about food storage as well. Yes. So I think, you know, especially for little kids, they're not eating a ton. So mm-hmm. if you're making a big batch of something, it would be really easy to and just offer that to your ex right yeah and again I think it's about how you frame it so not in a way of like she needs to eat this for dinner Mm -hmm. but saying like hey I made extra I know you were had a busy day would it help if you took this right so you're, you're giving it as an option you're not saying that they have to do it because ultimately at the end of the day they don't have to exactly so I mean that's the thing is just offering and then I thought you know Kids like Suzanne identified that they can be difficult eaters and yeah. ha, you know go through these struggles. So you could maybe sort of like commiserate with your ex as well, right? Mm-hmm. I know you know so and so is really picky and I know that's really frustrating, isn't it? But I found she loves eating this, yeah. or just kind of share what works for you. And maybe even like I've done before, I found a place that does sort of like some sort of healthy takeout for a good price and say, like, oh, there's a special here you can grab. and. It's good, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And understanding that, you know, the, for the parent who maybe doesn't have as much access to the kids or visitation um especially when the kids are young it's hard to like unless you're doing a full grocery shop every time Mm -hmm. to have everything you need at all times and just being Mm -hmm. understanding that yeah like takeout is sometimes the best easiest and also affordable option for a lot of people that was another thing that i really like on her site too and her message is that not everything has to be organic because i think a lot of parents like you know there's a definite financial strain when you're going yeah. through a separation so you know frozen peas and frozen corn is better than no vegetables at all and that oh, you know no. you're still you're still getting all your all your nutrients in
2: mm-hmm. yeah so i think those are some great things yeah just ways to that we can work together on it right rather than setting up a like we saw like one person sort of doing it better yep but work together on it
0: absolutely Thank you everyone for listening and check in with us for our episode next week.
2: Thank you.